What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs locked on Dolphins. Today on the show, April 11th, 2022, we react to some weekend news, the luau with Tua, Thomas Morstead, and more. Plan accordingly. We got a great week ahead of us. Tap in. You, me, locked on Dolphins right now. You are locked on Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? This is Kyle Krabs of Locked On Dolphins, lifelong Miami Dolphins fan, director of scouting at thedraftnetwork.com. We're almost to the middle of the month of April, which means this will be an uneventful end of the month for the Miami Dolphins, especially relative to recent seasons. But at the same time, the Dolphins are going to have an opportunity to perhaps get aggressive and go up and get a player that can be the plus one with youth to what has been an aggressive offseason in adding uh, Significant upgrades at positions of need. Today's episode is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered this season with more props, odds, and lines than ever before, and it is where the game starts. But speaking, speaking, my friends, of significant upgrades, this podcast could not start anywhere other than the news that the Miami Dolphins have signed punter. Thomas Morstead to serve as the team's new punter, replacing Michael Pilardi, who replaced Matt Hawk. This is, ooh, this is a big deal. And, and Morstead, you, you probably weren't expecting Locked On Dolphins to start your week with a big soapbox ramp rant on punting, especially a 36-year-old punter. But here's the deal. Uh, From a special teams perspective, when you're a team that wants to run the football at a significant clip, I guarantee you, guarantee you, that field position is going to be a greater point of emphasis than even what the Dolphins have done in the past, despite the fact that the Dolphins approach the game offensively with yes. I, I would say it would be fair to observe a little bit of a conservative approach. But Thomas Morstead is a 36-year-old punter, and punters can punt until they're 50, so I'm not worried at all about his age. 36-year-old punter who has been around this league for a significant time. He came in uh, with the New Orleans Saints. He was a fifth-round draft selection in 2009. And he remained with the Saints for 12 seasons punted in 190 games. During that course of time, he was responsible for both kickoffs and punts. Then he spent half this past season in Atlanta, half of this past season in New York with the Jets, and now, thankfully, my man is back with a team that's looking to contend with the Miami Dolphins. Thomas Morstead for his career has an average yards per punt of 46 Now, we don't really get into a lot of uh, punting statistics on this podcast, but one of the 
better ways that you can try to observe punting is maybe not necessarily the raw average, but the net. What is your net? So reducing and, and eliminating return yards or if you put the ball into the end zone for a touchback and then you lose 20 yards if you're trying to pin them down inside their own respective 20-yard line. Um, and from the perspective of net punts, Morstead splitting time between the Jets and the Falcons last year was still one, two, three, four, five, six, seventh in the NFL in net with 42 yards on the dot. Michael Pilardi, 40.1. He was somewhere down in 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14. He was in the bottom half of the league. Let's wind the clocks back a year. 2020. Thomas Morstead, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Ninth in the NFL, 41.7 net yards per punt. Matt Hawk, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. He was in the bottom half of the league, 39.8 net yards per punt. <clears throat> Let's wind the clocks back a year. Thomas Morstead, 2019, fifth in the NFL in net yards per punt, 43.1. Matt Hawk. He was in the bottom half of the league, 41.1 net yards per punt. Let's wind the clocks back a year. 2018, Thomas Morstead, number one in the NFL, net yards per punt, 43.2 net yards per punt. Matt Hawk, I'm glad you asked. He's fifth from the bottom, 38.4 net yards per punt. Let's wind the clocks back a year. Thomas Morstead, 2017. One, two, three, four. Fifth and sixth in the NFL in net yards per punt, 42.2. Matt Hawk, Miami Dolphins, 16. He made it into the top half of the league. He made it, 40.7, 16th in the NFL. I promise this is the last time for the bit. Let's wind the clocks back a year. Thomas Morstead, fifth in the NFL in net yards per punt, 42.4. Matt Darr, Miami Dolphins punter, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 16, He was in the bottom half of the league, 39.9. You get the point. The Dolphins have never had consistency in the punting and the field position since forever. And yet here we are signing a guy who, yes, he's 36 years old, but this is an ageless position. You retire from punting because you're tired of punting. You don't retire from punting because you can't do it anymore. And he was once outside the top six since 2016. That is an outstanding figure. So for the Dolphins and a team that wants to run the football, for a team that wants to probably be really focused in on wearing you down, and a good way to wear you down is to stay dialed in, make sure you're pinned deep, and if they force a stop, you're starting in plus field territory or as close to plus field territory as you can possibly get. Thomas Morstead is a big 
freaking deal, guys. He's a big freaking deal. And we should be excited that Miami has finally gone out and not been cheap at the position. And this is one of those spots where, you know, we say, oh, yeah, don't, don't spend for a lot of depth and, and you know, nickel in and diamond your salary cap with a bunch of two, three uh, million dollar contracts. If you were ever going to spend on a specialist, kickers score points and punters win the field position game. Those are two positions that you should absolutely be willing to justify paying top dollar to when it's all said and done. Now, we don't know what the contract terms are for Thomas Morstead just yet, but what we do know is the Dolphins have their best punter on the roster since, uh, let's just call it forever and call it a day. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sports wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. I was uh, mentally prepared to go all 20 minutes and just go year over year over year. Thomas Morstead versus whoever was the punter for the Dolphins and see how long you would have to go to find a season in which the Dolphins punter had the advantage over Thomas Morstead. And here's the good news. You only have to go back to 2009 because before that, Thomas Morstead was not in the league. But it is a fascinating foil for what is a position that carries a significant amount of weight and just how underwhelming Miami has been in that territory. Now, if you would like the answer, in 2013, Brandon Fields, punter, was second in the NFL in 42.4 net yards per punt. He was .1 better than Thomas Morstead. Now, they were second and third in the league, but that's the last time, 2013, that Miami had a better punter than Thomas Morstead. But we have more to get to here on the show, including a little bit of a party that was thrown over the weekend. The Luau with Tua event. And this was a pretty cool thing to see. I didn't have the opportunity to be in South Florida for the event. I'm actually out west right now, which is why uh, if you are an early morning podcast listener, you're probably noticing that the pod on Friday and today, it hit the queue a little bit longer. Here's the good news. I'm traveling home today. So you'll get your early morning post back up starting tomorrow. But I'm out on the West Coast for work, so I didn't have a chance to be at the event. But I knew several people who were there. I had a chance to uh, exchange some text messages with a couple of people uh, who got to partake and observe the event, and everything that I had heard was rave reviews for this event. And to a tongue of Aloha, this is his second year throwing this party, if you will. Um, and it was held on Saturday night at the Seminole Hard Rock Hotel and Casino in Hollywood. And it gives you uh, a taste of Pacific lifestyle. You know, they've, they've got the Polynesian food, uh, 
they, they got the lays. You see a lot of the Hawaiian shirts. Uh, it's a pretty cool vibe. Dan Marino swung by this year. Both those guys were rocking lays. Uh, and it was uh, held alongside the Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Miami and Broward Counties. Teamed up with the Tua Foundation to host a uh, luau benefiting the organizations and ultimately culminating in a very, very cool donation to Big Brothers, Big Sisters of Miami and Broward Counties. But, you know, this, this was an event held in the public eye. There was media present. There were fans present. But for me, what was most important and significant, especially in the midst of this offseason, which the Dolphins have kind of made sure that their head coach was aligned with the vision of their quarterback, there were a lot of coaches and players present at this event. Jalen Phillips and Jalen Waddell present. Mike McDaniel present. Dan Marino present. Offensive coordinator Frank Smith present. Quarterbacks coach present. And that was an observation that Tua Tagovailoa himself had. In you know, it was said in a way that was modest and, and humble and not brash as to it, you know, you're used to his demeanor being, uh, but it was a pretty direct observation in the grand scale of Tua Tagovailoa's experience thus far as a member of the Miami Dolphins. When Tua came out and he was asked, and the, the quote is out there, you can go Twitter search it. And he says, you know, to have my head coach, my offensive coordinator, my QB coach, all here in support of me this evening, that's, that's something I haven't experienced. Oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And we, we all know about the reported rift that existed between the player in question and the previous head coach. And we may never truly get the truth in where everything falls and, and who was responsible for what in that front. But we've got enough reporting from enough different sources and enough significant details for us to say, yeah, this relationship might not have been egregiously bad, but I don't think we could sit here and lie to ourselves and tell us that it was good. So for Tua to have this event, that's very obviously something that matters to him. And listen, I think the Luau for Tua concept is important because like, that embodies a lot of the things that are important to Tua Tungvaloa, the person, not just the player, the person. To see his teammates and those within the organization present, I think that's a nice... It's a nice development for a player who you're really hoping um, feels more comfortable and feels to have a better support system around him entering into his third season in the NFL. Now, how that ultimately manifests itself on the field, well, that's going to determine how the Dolphins choose to go forward from here. But those are details we're not going to know until we get a little further down the road. We're not going to know that answer until... December next year, when we get the full body of work 
And I'll emphasize that again. If Tua comes out and doesn't play well in week one, doesn't mean it's over. And I would highly encourage everyone to not declare the season lost. Now, there are stretches in which you get bigger sample sizes and more alarming trends in which you can make large-scale observations, like when the Dolphins are 1-6 and and you ask if the Dolphins need to make organizational changes, which is about the point where everybody kind of said, yeah, something's going to have to change here, regardless of what happened the rest of the year. And the Dolphins went on to go 7-2 and or 8-2 or and two down the stretch for those final 10 games that they played. Too little, too late. But I digress. We'll, we'll cross that bridge when they get there. I'm only encouraging you guys to look at the entire body work, right? Because it's like the offseason. And I think that's the perfect parallel to draw here. The offseason, the first five days, it was gloom and doom. Oh, my God, the Dolphins are doomed. They haven't done anything. They haven't gotten an offensive tackle. They haven't gotten a wide receiver. All they did was sign a bunch of depth guys and bring back a bunch of players off a team that went 9-8 and eight and probably wasn't quite good enough to make the playoffs, and they probably would have got shellacked in their first playoff game anyway. What are we going to do? And then Teron Armstead happens. And then Tyreek Hill happens. And then Thomas Morstead happens. And suddenly you feel much better about the environment, the situation that you're getting ready for. So bigger sample sizes is a good thing. You can have reactions, but I always do my best to try to avoid too significant or sharp of a reaction in too small of a sample size. Listen, you, you need no sample size to know that Built Bar is the bomb. Built Bar is a protein bar. It tastes like a candy bar. These things are high in protein, high in fiber, low in calories, low in sugar. They have 100% chocolate on all of their bars. Right now, you can visit Built.com and use promo code LOCK15, and you could save 15% off your next order. That is Built.com, promo code LOCK15, to save 15% off your next order of the world's most delicious protein bar. As we finish today, I want to give a shout-out to somebody who I've gotten a chance to know a little bit over the course of the past year or so, and it's been cool to see him make the most of a new opportunity that he's been afforded, and that's Jason Sarney over at Dolphins Wire. Um, because he wrote a piece that I, th- I think does a really nice job kind of highlighting, we as Dolphins fans, it's okay. We got Tyreek Hill. We got Teron Armstead. We got Thomas Morstead. We don't have a first or second round pick. What do we do the rest of the offseason? Are we just going to bide our time? We just, we just got to wait till September? Training camp? What are we going to do? He put together a piece, and it's titled, Chris Greer has more decisions to make this offseason. And I think he did a really nice job highlighting some opportunities that the Dolphins have to be proactive. And there's always strategy that's involved in the timing of these sorts of things, but he's talking about defensive linemen, and this is a, a direct quote. Uh, from Jason. Defensive lineman Christian Wilkins can not only have his rookie contract picked up for a fifth year, but he could be signed long-term as well. Andrew McGinkle is on a contract year, and while the restricted free agent tender was placed on cornerback Nick Needham last month, his future in Miami is a multi-year deal away, which could very well be in the cards with the pot of chips Greer still has at his disposal, a.k.a. the salary cap, and the Dolphins having significant salary cap space. I would probably... 
do the Christian Wilkins deal yesterday. I know we were waiting to see a more disruptive version of Christian Wilkins, but from a Chris Greer standpoint, this was the first draft selection of your era of being the unquestioned leader of this organization. He has been a glue guy. He has been somebody who has been a pillar in the locker room. He has been a phenomenal player from a growth perspective. He is getting better and better, and he was excellent last year. And if I were him, if I were Chris Greer, I would want to set the market for that first round of 2029 interior defensive line players. Because if you remember, this is a very good interior defensive line class in its entirety. And there's very good results across the board. You have Quinn and Williams in this draft class. You have Ed Oliver in this draft class. <laughs> you also have Jeffrey Simmons in this draft class. Here's what we know about the Christian Wilkins decision right now. To pick up his fifth-year option for 2023, it would be $10.75 million against the cap in, from a 2023 standpoint. The way that fifth-year options work now is they're tiered. And depending on your performance through the first three years of your career, you could reach and ascend any number of tiers relative to positional value uh, to your, your individual position. So if Christian Wilkins uh, did not meet playtime thresholds, his fifth-year option would have been $6.6 million. But he's been a fixture. But he hasn't received Pro Bowl accolades. So because of that, it's 10.73. If Christian Wilkins had made a Pro Bowl in the last three years, that fifth-year option would be $4 million more. It would be 14.7. And if he made two Pro Bowls over those three seasons, it would be $17.4 million. So $10.75 million right now. But I guarantee you, Quinton Williams is going to get a contract extension. Ed Oliver is going to get a contract extension. Jeffrey Simmons is going to get a contract extension. And if you wait, if you wait, and you do Christian later after several of these deals come through, you are providing Wilkins and his team with the opportunity to look at what the other guys got paid and then find ways in which Christian's been a more productive player and utilize that in negotiations to say, hey, wait a minute. I think I'm probably worth more than what this guy got because look at X, Y, and Z. That's every negotiation ever in the history of the NFL and every, probably every sport ever. So it's a fascinating storyline to watch. And if I'm the Dolphins and I have the salary cap space, and they do... I would, I would reward Christian with that contract extension now. Be the first to get it done. So that way you can be proactive in setting what those tackles are going to be looked at as compared to reacting and then having to negotiate further details or offset language in the contract. It's just my two cents, Chris. You, you do what you got to do. 
But that's how I would handle the situation. I, I hope you guys enjoyed Locked On Dolphins today. Good conversation. Talking about our dear friend Thomas Morstead, as well as Christian Wilkins, as well as uh, the Luau with Tua. Uh, an interesting weekend for the Dolphins, not necessarily their most eventful weekend, especially in the scale of this offseason. Uh, but we're going to be there for you every step of the way. And we're going to find a lot of you know, interesting angles to tackle these players for as we really get settled in and start getting ready for the 2022 NFL season. We've got a couple months of prep work. Plan accordingly. We're going to get into the film. We're going to get into the, the contracts. We're going to get into the strategy. We're going to get into the X's and O's. A whole lot of good stuff ahead. Kyle Krabs, keep it locked in right here on Locked on Dolphins. Thanks for listening. Make it a good one.